Podcast Network Asia. Hi, Dorito. Thanks for knocking on the narrow door. We have a visitor today who you may be familiar with. Her name's Marise Umali, and she's only one of the most trusted journalists on Philippine TV. We're smack in the middle of our conversation right now about the parables of bridegroom, bride, widow, and orphan. And not only are we touching on the book of Revelation today, Instructor Aaron is taking us on a joyride through Matthew chapters 22, 24, 25, and you know how it gets. Marise also puts on her journalist hat on this episode and asks questions. So I'm sorry, I didn't mean to leave you standing there. Come on in. Because... In the Trinity, we learn that God the Father is the Father, and then God, Jesus is God the Son, and then of course there's the Holy Spirit, and then now I learn that Jesus is the Bridegroom. So are there changes in the roles depending on circumstances? Yes, it, it really is just a matter of what which one is spirit and which one is flesh. Mm-hmm. So at any point, uh, whatever is spirit becomes the Bridegroom. The reason being, Because in a physical relationship, the man is the one who has the seed, right? And he gives that seed to the woman. They in turn then have a child together. Mm -hmm. In the spiritual world, the seed represents the word. Mm -hmm. So what is the source of the word? God is the source of his word. Ben, exactly, is I an right? orphan instructor, Aaron? I don't want to be an orphan. No, nobody wants to be an orphan. This so, is like very Maury Povich vibes right now. Do you guys watch the father? Show? Yeah. <laughs> you are not the father. <laughs> so if you accept false teachings, then your spirit dies, which means the groom is no longer with you. So you become a spiritual widow. Your groom How has exactly? died. Say, say in. No, 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 go ahead, please. How exactly do you know that it's a false teaching? That's a good point. You have to know the truth to be able to discern, right? So think about it like light and darkness. When everything's in darkness, you really can't discern. It's only when the truth comes that you can now discern between light and darkness, between day and night. So just go back to the first coming. That's really the the way that you can kind of make all this make sense. At the time of the first coming, the leaders of God's people, they were supposed to be the brides. They were the ones that were supposed to be becoming one with God and Jesus and then giving birth to believers. But unfortunately, they were belonging to Satan instead. Now, how do we know that? The only way we know is because Jesus himself proclaimed it. Right? And Jesus comes and he says, I'm the light of the world. Everyone else is in darkness. Right? Well, that light, it represents the very word of God. Right? Understanding. So you think of verses like Psalms 119. Okay, Psalms 119, verse 130 says, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding. So what was Jesus doing? Jesus was actually teaching all of the fulfillment of the Old Testament, right? He was giving them the true understanding of God's word. He's like, listen to my word. I will tell you the truth and the truth will set you free. He says, I'm fulfilling this scripture here. I'm fulfilling this scripture here. Uh, a really good chapter to read would be like Luke 24. And Luke 24, when he's talking to his disciples, he says, you know, don't you guys understand? Because they're all sad, right? They're all upset because, you know, he just died. And he's like, don't you guys understand? All this had to happen. Everything that was written about me, right? In the books of Moses, the Psalms and the prophets. And then he goes on and he explains the scriptures to them is what it says. 
And what they say is, wow, wasn't that amazing when he opened the scriptures to us, right? He opened the scriptures, which means they were sealed before. So when things are sealed, it's darkness. So to answer your question, the only way that we can know what truth is, is when prophecy is being fulfilled. When the prophecy is being fulfilled, that becomes the truth because God is fulfilling his work. Up until that time, nobody has the truth. We're all in the same boat. Everybody's just, you know, learning what we can learn. That's it. We have what we have and that's all, right? But the moment that the truth comes, now a de- like a, a discernment comes. Now a division comes between those that listen and those that, you know, do not listen. So everyone that's teaching at the time, they're all teaching the best they can. It's called, um, you know, the book being sealed. And when the book is sealed, uh, if you read like verses in Isaiah chapter 29, Isaiah 29 verses 11 to like 13 or 14, nine to like 13. But it says that, that when the book is sealed, when the vision is sealed, no one can understand it. And because no one can understand it, they start teaching rules taught by men. A lot of traditions, a lot of arbitrary teachings, commentaries, you know, just their own basic understanding. People start to make up what they think it means. But God says there's an appointed time when he will reveal all things. So when when that prophecy is now fulfilled, that's when the truth comes. And people have a choice. You can continue to teach the false teachings now that the truth is out there. Or you can admit that you didn't know the truth because nobody did and learn the truth, right? So those people that are teaching, if they are spiritually dead inside, then they are likened to a widow. So what is our job spiritually? We're supposed to take care of them, meaning we're supposed to help them not to be dead, to give them the word of truth. Now, imagine if your pastor, and and I'm not trying to upset anybody, I'm just saying in general, okay, just in general, imagine your pastor doesn't have the word of truth. They did, they just don't, okay, they just happen to be in the position of like the Pharisees or the scribes, they're, they're teaching from the books, they're reading history, they're reading teachings, those are all easy, but they don't know the prophecy and fulfillment. Now, if you're a congregation member, you're supposed to be a child of that church, Well, if they don't have the spirit of God because they don't have the truth, then they are like a widow, right? Because their their groom is dead. But they themselves are also dead because their spirit is dead. Remember we did uh, the episode just a couple ago, we did life and death. Mm -hmm. And in God's eyes, you can be physically alive, but spiritually dead. So now imagine if you belong to a church that does not have the spirit of God working there and the pastor does not have a living spirit, then what does that make you? That makes you an orphan. Uh, Because you have no parents. You have no spiritual parent. So what do you need? You need the word of truth, and you need a pastor who has the word of life within them in order to be able to give life to the believers as well. So that's a, a spiritual bride, groom, widow, and orphan. And the kind of religion, like you said, in James chapter one, verse 27, I believe you said, when it actually is that religion, what are we meant to do? Religion is reconnection. That's what it means, right? Relegare, to reconnect. It's the highest teachings. So in order to really take care of people, to take care of widows and orphans, it's doing exactly this, teaching the word of truth to anyone who's willing to listen. And then through that word, they become reconnected to God. And they receive salvation. They receive heaven, eternal life. They receive blessings. That's taking care of all the widows and the orphans. If they're willing to listen. 
right? If they're willing to listen. Yeah. So I'll, I'll leave it for a minute. And then the last part we can talk about is why is it important for revelation? Sure. I'm, I'm learning a lot um, because in the Trinity, we learn that God, the father is the father. And then God, Jesus is God, the son. And then of course there's the Holy spirit. And then now I learned that Jesus is the bridegroom. <laughs> so um, is this some sort of uh, changing roles or something? And then it really depends on the circumstances because you mentioned a while ago that uh, in the beginning, it was God who is the bridegroom and jesus is the bride and then when he became uh when he went to heaven or when uh he became spirit it was him who is the bridegroom bridegroom and then the bride are the apostles so are there changes in the roles depending on circumstances yes it, it really it's just a matter of what which one is spirit and which one is flesh mm-hmm. so at any point Uh, whatever is spirit becomes the bridegroom, becomes the groom. So whether it's God's spirit, Satan's spirit, or Jesus's spirit, spirit itself is when you're talking about the union between spirit and flesh, the spirit takes on the role of the groom. The reason being because in a physical relationship, the man is the one who has the seed, right? And he gives that seed to the woman. They in turn then have a child together. Mm -hmm. In the spiritual world, The seed represents the word. So what is the source of the word? God is the source of his word. Satan is the source of his word. So that's why they are in that position of the spiritual male, if you will. And then, of course, we are learning what? We're learning the word of Jesus as well, right? The entire New Testament and all the prophecies of the second coming, that's the word of Christ. So that's why he also is in that position of a spiritual you know, male. But when he was physically here on this earth, He was in the position of the bride. Why? Because God had already promised in the Old Testament prophecies that he was going to marry that certain, you know, individual. I will betroth you to me forever, right? I will make, I'll become my husband or I will make you my bride and I will be your husband. The two will become one flesh. So that's why it's all about perspective. You're right. And now that the apostles are no longer with us, of course, they're already in heaven. They're already saints. So does that mean that we become the bride and then uh, it is up for us to um, take care of the children and who are the children? <laughs> no, perfect. You're right oh, there. I'd like to know who my kids are. Yes. <laughs> because yeah. I don't, you, I an orphan? Exactly, an right? orphan instructor, Aaron? I don't want to be an orphan. No, nobody wants to be an orphan. <laughs> this so, is like very Maury Povich vibes right now. Do you guys watch the father? Show? <laughs> yeah. You are not the father. <laughs> so when you look at Matthew chapter 24, okay, Matthew chapter 24 is the signs of the second coming. This is one of the reasons why it's important to understand what a, a mother and a father and a pregnant woman actually are. Because in Matthew chapter 24, it talks about when you see the abomination that causes desolation standing in the holy place, that those who are in Judea flee to the mountain. And then it says it's going to be dreadful for pregnant women and nursing mothers. And so many people have looked at that and said, you know, I am afraid to have children because if Jesus comes at this time, it's dreadful for pregnant women and nursing mothers. But Matthew 24 is a very spiritual book. He's not talking about physical mothers and children. He's talking about, it's going to be very difficult for pastors at that time, just like it was in the time of the first coming 
because they're the ones, unfortunately, that don't always accept the truth. Now think about this, all the churches in the world, how many denominations are there? Thousands and thousands of, if you want to really trip yourself out, look at even just Wikipedia and look up denominations. You'll scroll for like 10 minutes. I think there's like 40,000 or something. What? Yeah. (laughs) Which means they're not all going to be willing to give up whatever it is that they're teaching because they can't all be teaching the same thing. Right. And when the truth comes, maybe not all of them are willing to listen. So it's going to be very difficult for them because they're in the highest position. And God is going to judge them more than the rest of us, you know, ignorant people that are not doing that kind of thing. Right. Because we don't know any better. Make sense. Mm -hmm. So now that's Matthew 24. Continuing on to Matthew 25, which is still talking about the second coming. It's a continuation. He says that time will be like this. That time he's talking about is when the disciples asked him, hey, when is all this stuff going to happen? What's going to be the signs of the second coming? And so he continues on. So one of the signs of the second coming in Matthew 25 and verses like one to 13, he talks about the 10 virgins. Have you ever heard the story of the 10 virgins? Okay. So they are preparing themselves. And this is why it's important for us to understand this, because we have to be prepared. There are certain things we have to actually do to be prepared. And one of them has everything to do with that parable. It says that there are 10 virgins. Now, the common understanding that I've heard in the past was this is a difference between believers and non-believers, but that doesn't make sense because they're all waiting for the groom. (gasps) And that's a Christian thing to wait for Jesus. Jesus is the groom. Yeah. Yeah. We're the bride. So why would non-believers be waiting for him to come? Not only that, they all have the lamp and they all have some oil, right? If not enough, but some of them don't, that's the only difference. So the lamp, this is a very famous, you know, verse about one Psalms 119 verse 105. They make songs about a light or, or songs about all the time, right? Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a, a light for my path. So the lamp itself represents, you know, the Bible, the word of God. So they all have a lamp, meaning they all have the word of God. Why would non-believers you know, have that as well? And then you have the oil. Well, the oil that goes into the lamp, it's olive oil. It's a specific oil that was used in the, the lampstand in Moses's tabernacle. You can look it up in like uh, Exodus 27, Leviticus 24. Anyway, point being, the oil is important, okay? The oil is important, but we could save that for another time. The important part is they don't have enough. Five of them don't have enough. And so they're called foolish. So what happens is they all prepare and then they all fall asleep. And then the ringing comes out, the bridegroom's here, meaning this is what's going to happen when Jesus comes. There's going to be people that have fallen asleep. And when they wake up, there's going to be certain people that don't have enough of this oil. Why? What is that oil? That's really important to understand. Because you have to be prepared for it, right? So we are right here, any of the believers, we can be in the position of a bride, but we're also in the position of children. Again, it's just about perspective right now. Okay. Just using us as an example, right? Let's just do that for now. I would be in the position of, you know, the bridegroom. Well, oh no, no, no. I'd be more in the position of the bride, of the bride, right? I want to be be a bride. I've never been a bride. (laughs) Always a bridegroom, never a bride, right? Always a bridesmaid. No. Um, there you I'm go. Sorry. Bridesmaid. That's what yes. it is. Yeah. You had the bridegroom in my brain. <laughs> um, 
No, you're right. Just to do a quick recap, you said that the bridegroom and bride relationship is always a spirit and flesh relationship. The groom yeah. is always spirit. The bride is always flesh. And so here right now, you would be like, you'd be more like the bride and we'd be more like the kids, the children, right? right? Yeah, I'd be like the pregnant mother giving birth or I'd be like the, the nursing mother giving right. the milk. Yeah, as I'm trying to want to play that part in <laughs> and at any time it can right if somebody else came oh, that I would be learning from me. like if we invited a guest on that that knew more and was teaching us then I would I would just automatically switch into a child that's now being you know receiving that as well which is why it's really important to understand what you're receiving right mm-hmm. you don't want to just accept anything we have to be discerning we really do because you don't want to be born by the wrong you know thing you know, that being said, moving on. So that's Matthew 25. It's really important because the wedding is all about the time of the second coming. Matthew 24 is the same thing. He says the, the kingdom of heaven will be like, okay. So whenever he says that the kingdom of heaven will be like, it means when God creates his kingdom, this is what it's going to be like. And he says, the kingdom of heaven will be like a king who prepares a wedding for his son. Well, who's the son? The son is the one that's getting married. That's obviously Jesus. So who's the king? That would be, of course, God. God. And when you read this parable, it's really interesting because the people that are meant to be invited, they don't come. It's really sad. Luke 14 is the same. It's like a cross-reference. Luke 14 is a little bit more detailed. It, It explains even why they don't come. They say, oh, I just bought a field and I can't come. I just bought some oxen. The third one's the weirdest though. He says, I just got married. Oh, you're being invited to Jesus's wedding. Who did you just get married to? <gasps> dun, right? dun, dun. Yeah. Stood God up. <laughs> now, once you're invited, because then he says, okay, you know what? All those people that were meant to be invited, they're not coming. Forget so it. Go out no. and get anyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Go out and get all the people from the streets and the alleyways and whoever is willing to come. Just make them come in. Fill my seats. That's what he says. So in the time of revelation, that's what has to happen. The people that are invited first, they don't always choose to come. But then all the rest of us, you know, because it says the lame, the crippled, the blind, that's us, right? We're all, (laughs) bring us in, right? Bring us in. And then it's, um, this is one of the other things. It's about being qualified, right? To actually stay. So one was the oil. That's even You have to have enough oil, (laughs) right? And then in in, uh, Matthew 22, the king walks in and he says, hey, why aren't you wearing wedding clothes? Right. He asked one of the guests, why aren't you wearing wedding clothes? Now, at the time of the Old Testament, they actually had a keeper of the wardrobe. They would give them the garments. Right. Whenever you were invited to like this big special event, they would give them the garments. So all you had to do was put it on. That's it. But this person didn't put it on. So he's like, you know what? Tie them up and throw them outside into the darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it says many are invited, but few are chosen. So it's actually a warning. Right. The wedding is actually a warning. It's a warning that at the time of the second coming, many people are not going to be willing to listen. Even those that were meant to come to begin with. And the ones that are invited, many of them don't choose to change their actions because the clothing itself, when you go to Revelation chapter 19, verse eight, it says the fine linen, the wedding clothes, it stands for the righteous actions. So if you don't put on the righteous actions, right? Clothe, it's the clothing of your heart. 
If you don't change your actions, then how are you going to be able to stay in, in heaven, right? We all have to change to become in the image of God and Jesus. So that's why the wedding is so important. Understanding the bride and groom, it's more than just understanding this means this and this means this. Everything has to do with in the time of revelation, we have to know that a wedding is going to take place. A spiritual wedding is going to take place. And we are invited. And we're meant to participate in that wedding. And what we're going to be married to is the spirits of heaven. You mentioned all the spirits that have passed on, the disciples and such. They are in the holy city, New Jerusalem. It says that the holy city, New Jerusalem, it has the 12 foundation stones made from the 12 apostles, right? And it says we are being built into a spiritual kingdom. So all the spirits, they're the ones that are creating that holy city. And what does God truly want? He doesn't want the spiritual realm and the physical realm to be separate. What does God desire? What has he wanted from the very beginning? He wants the two to become one. Marriage. That's the spiritual marriage in the time of Revelation. So is that kind of like God's been trying to propose, but we keep saying no? Exactly. Yeah. <gasps> Have you ever oh. read the book of Hosea? No. <laughs> in the book of Hosea, it's interesting because God makes him marry a prostitute. <gasps> I know <gasps> the story. Oh, is that in Hosea? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, which, and she, which chapter there instructor Aaron? You just read you got to read the whole thing and then oh, she man. it's not very long it's not very long it's pretty short you know and and that's actually where the hosea 12 is i will betroth you to me forever that's where that that verse that we've been using it's in it's in hosea but the prostitute keeps leaving right she keeps abandoning and he's asking god what do you want me he's like go get her marry her again you know, or grab her back, bring oh. her back. And she's like, he's like, why? She doesn't want to be with me. Like that. And he's like, now, you know how I feel about my people. Oh, oh my gosh. As long as we have a good relationship with God, will that be enough? As long as we do good deeds to our fellow men, will that be enough? Are you, are you, are you asking me like <laughs> up until the point that revelation is being fulfilled? Yes. When revelation is being fulfilled, then there is now something else that people have to do. They have to belong to God's kingdom. So we used <laughs> to do topics like this, where basically our listeners would get in touch with us and they would ask, you know, how do I become a good Christian in XYZ situations, right? And when I heard Marisa's question, I think what I was thinking of was like, take, for example, the time of first coming, Right you could have been living your life, you know, you could have been going about your life being a good person. But then when Jesus came, what was the right thing to do in the eyes of God was to believe in the testimony that Jesus had, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the topic was something like, you know, how do I become righteous in the eyes of God? Or like, how am I pleasing in the eyes of God? Something like that. But my point being, I think that word like of just being a good person like how am I a good person in the eyes of God is to do the action that God wants you to do at a certain time which then begs the question well what time are we in right now and I think Shinshanji stands is well this is the time when there is now a testimony on the second coming so if at the first coming Jesus came and he testified about the stuff it's going to be the same at the time of second coming. So when someone is testifying, 
on behalf of Jesus, obviously, because this is Jesus' second coming, instructor Aaron, right? So the righteous action at this time would be to listen, discern it, and, you know, of course, Shinji's position would be believe it because this right. is the testimony on the second coming. Mm-hmm. And the righteous actions, they have to do with what does God desire at that time is exactly what you're saying. So Matthew chapter seven, verse 21, these are very harsh scriptures. They're very strong sometimes for people, but it's of course what we have to, we have to learn it because we have to be able to be those people that are corrected or are led properly, right? If you will. Um, so in Matthew 7, 21, it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my father who is in heaven, right? That's what Jesus says. So it's not just a matter of saying, Lord, Lord, or just, you know, believing, you know, with your heart, but really, truly following the will of God. Well, at the time of the first coming, just like you said, the will of God was to become one with Jesus, right? Not staying in the synagogues and not staying in that as well. So what we're doing right now, you know, with this uh, just lesson just tonight, we're just talking about the spiritual marriage. Now, if you want to be married, you have to know where to go, right? Right. If you're going to be married, if we're going to, if I'm going to marry somebody, I'm going to have a particular place oh, at a particular like, time. Like, is, is it a garden wedding? Are you yeah, going to exactly, get married at right? church? Destination. A destination wedding. Like, where is it? Right. And if you don't know when and where, then I can't expect you to show up. Right. But if I let you know when and where, but you don't bother to actually find out, then you're going to miss it. So right now, if we want to be a part of the spiritual marriage, which that's what we are proclaiming that God and Jesus are preparing that wedding. They are gathering the guests at this moment. They are, they are giving them the wedding clothes. They are giving them the oil. And of course, all these things need to be understood. You've already gone through a lot of these things in the past. If you listen to anybody who's listening out there, that if you go back to the previous recordings, you already went through the lamp and the oil. You went through the wedding, the blind, deaf, and the wedding clothes, you know, that type of thing. So these are all, they're all explained. So if you want to know what those things are, you know, instead of me saying everything tonight, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's the thing. You have to know where to go and when to go. And you have to know if you're in the right place. So there has to be evidence. Right? There has to be yes. evidence that you're in the right place. Well, according to Matthew chapter 22, God says, my, my oxen and fattened cattle have been butchered. So there's this particular type of food that has to be there. So you have to know what does that mean? And the place that has that truth, the place that can, can feed that teaching, then you know that you're in that right place. So all God is doing today, all he wants and desires is for his people who have been wanting to be with him to now have an opportunity to be with him. And the chairman himself, he's, again, we'll say this a thousand times. He is not Jesus. He is not the spirit of truth, right? He is, he is a person that was simply chosen to testify on behalf of, so that everyone can hear the truth. How else does God make his truth known in the Bible? Show me where in the Bible he hasn't used somebody to preach the word of truth, right? That's what he does. Yeah, yeah. In the time of revelation, it's no different. Yeah. Okay. So So, say if you don't uh, become a part of that denomination when the second coming happens, you will not be saved. Wow, you really want me to to be like... (laughs) (laughs) 
See, she's the journalist. She's going for the hard questions. Uh, I was going to say, the journalist is coming you know? out. <laughs> and I could be the politician and I could talk around in circles if you want. But I'm just, <laughs> but just think about it this way. Um, just think about it this way, okay? If God's building a house and he wants to come live in his house, he's going to come to his house. And if you want to live with God in his house, you also have to come to be with him in his house, right? But everybody has that choice. So in the time of the second coming, God is going to create his kingdom. And if we want to be with God, then of course, we want to be with God in his kingdom. So anyone who chooses not to be with God in his kingdom, then, I mean, then they're not with God. And you can't really receive salvation if you're not with God. So everyone will have a choice to either be with God or not with God. We're not saying you have to make that choice tonight or, <laughs> or right now or any of that stuff. That's not what I'm saying in any way. But when that time comes, right, God will come to his kingdom, his people, his children. And anyone who is not, unfortunately, the Bible and Revelation is also very clear. There's the judgment that takes place for those that are on the outside. Mm -hmm. But I always say this, and I'll say it a thousand times. God is loving. God is caring. God is patient. God is kind, right? He's forgiving. So I believe he will give as much of an opportunity as possible, which this even right here is part of that. Anyone who's listening to this has an opportunity to find out for themselves, right? If they ignore it, they ignore it. But if they go, this is interesting, this sounds like something I should probably look into, then they will. And then they can study it over and over again. They can study it any way that they want. They can do the classes, which are really amazing. They can listen to it online if they wanna do it that way, whatever it is, but God is giving everyone in the world an opportunity. And so right now there's uh, seminars that are going on consistently all over the internet, all over the world. This is something new that we've been doing this year, just putting them out there. The chairman is consistently putting on, um, even with uh, like pastors, inviting pastors to listen to it. Uh, a lot of the press, he does like press releases all the time. He's traveled the world 31 times in the last, like, like I think it was almost seven or eight years. And he's going to start traveling again once, you know, all the COVID restrictions are lifted in order to preach this all over the world. So this truth is going to you know, continue to be known from this point forward. It's just going to get louder and louder and louder. Right now, over these last two years, it basically has now been more open to the world. Before it was pretty quiet, but there was a reason for that. God was working in the same way he did in the first coming, which was very quietly. You know, if you read, read through Mark sometime, just even the first like five chapters of Mark, and try to count how many times Jesus tells people, don't tell anyone I did this. Oh, yeah. He says that sometimes. Over and over again, he keeps saying, don't say, it to, don't tell any, like when he healed the, the little girl, tells the parents, do not tell anyone. Even during or, the transfiguration, right? Yes. The trans, oh. Exactly. Don't tell anyone until after I've been resurrected. Right? Really? Okay. Yeah. I have never that. read the book of Mark either. You guys have a lot yeah, of it's really, there. it's really interesting. I'm actually, that's what this, uh, my, my sermon this Sunday is going to be on my, the title is, you know, why so sneaky Jesus, you know, and it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's all about how he's, because the, the problem is every time that he was made known, the, the Pharisees and scribes, they blocked the work. They, they plotted against him. They turned the people against him. So they kicked him out of the region. He couldn't be there anymore. Um, they tried to plot to kill him. So every time he was known, they stopped the work. So he did the work without anyone knowing because he could do more of it. Mm -hmm. And he had to do that until an appointed time when Satan couldn't stop him anymore. 
once that was done, then he gave himself over to him because the last work he needed was they needed to kill him. So he set up this whole precedence of them getting angrier and angrier. And then he says, take me, I'm yours. Right? When Peter cuts off the guy's ear and he puts it back on <laughs> and he's like, hey, Peter, don't you think I could call down a legion of angels at this moment? You know, but that's not what's meant to happen. I'm meant to go at this moment. Mm -hmm. So even now, all the work that's been done over the last 39 years, that's how long this has been proclaimed. That's how long since Shinji was established, 39 years. For the majority of it was really quiet, extremely quiet, because all the work of creating the 12 tribes, harvesting the 144,000, sealing the people, creating the peace work, all of these things had to be done in a way where Satan couldn't destroy the work when it was at its infant stage, if you will. But now it's, it's, it's beyond his ability. There's no way to stop it. It's like a train that's going full force. You know I mean? You, I mean, at this point, my brain cells are screaming. And so yeah, I think we've gone, we've gone pretty far, right? Yeah. I have like a question. I, today I can't was even be short. form into a sentence, you guys. <laughs> Let it marinate, Tina. Um, because obviously we're going to see instructor Aaron again. But before we really wrap it up, do you have any more questions, Maurice? Because I'm sure instructor Aaron- One, one last question. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, we let uh, instructor Aaron go. Um, may I just deviate a bit from the bridegroom, bride, and the orphan story? Mm -hmm. All these things that are happening right now, like in Ukraine and Russia, um, the pandemic, the rise of the Antichrist, are these all fulfillment of the- prophecies or are these uh the things that are written also in the revelation there's there's aspects of what's happening that is helping the work to be fulfilled the the, the prophecies being fulfilled um, but the war in and of itself it's not part of the prophecy that's being fulfilled the war inside of revelation is actually a spiritual war between between pastors it's a war of doctrines it's a war of of teachings so you can look at like Ephesians chapter six and Ephesians chapter six, verse 10 to 17, it talks about the armor of God, right? You have uh, the breastplate of righteousness, right? Mm -hmm. The helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, right? Your, There's a uh, belt the, the in there belt somewhere. Of truth. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the belt of truth. <laughs> yeah. Your feet fitted with the readiness of the gospels of peace. And then the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Mm -hmm. So the entire armor is it's God's word and God's spirit that we have to be protected by. It doesn't help against any physical weapons, right? Okay. And then when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it's the same thing. It says, although we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. So the wars that take place in Matthew chapter 24, when it says nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. In Revelation itself, that's Matthew 24. And in Revelation, the kingdom and nation, it's God's kingdom and Satan's kingdom. God's nation and Satan's nation. So if you look at the Old Testament, it was very physical, right? Actually, the next uh, podcast we're going to do is going to be on the war between Jerusalem and Babylon. So this will be really interesting. So it's a little leeway into that. But the, the Old Testament was very physical, physical weapons, physical wars, physical nations. But then carry it over to the time of the first coming. Jesus was physically a Jew, right? Mm -hmm. But spiritually, he was God's kingdom. And who was he fighting against? He wasn't fighting against the Romans, right? He wasn't fighting against physical Gentiles or physical nations. He was fighting against the Pharisees, the scribes, and the teachers of the law. That was the war that took place. 
And in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have overcome the world, right? He fought that war and he overcame. The world that he was actually fighting was not the literal world itself. It was Satan's world, the religious world. And how did they fight? They fought with doctrines. They had their teachings. Satan had his teachings. Or I'm sorry, Satan had his teachings and Jesus had his teachings. And that was that fighting. That's why he says, I have come to bring fire on this earth. Or in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, he says, I've come to bring a sword, right? Not mm. peace, but a sword. He didn't actually carry a sword at all. He didn't burn anything to the ground, but his very words, that was the battle. That was the war. In Revelation, it's no different. In Revelation chapter 13, God's people fight against the beast and they lose. They lose because they have betrayed God and they receive the mark of the beast. But in Revelation chapter 12, it says that Michael and his angels fight against the devil and his angels. And then you have the child that's born. It's a spiritual child, just like we're talking about now. It's not a physical male child. It's someone who's born through the word of truth. That, that person, he becomes, along with the ones that are joining with them, the brothers, they fight against the dragon. They fight against the beast and the number of his name. And it says they overcame him by the word of testimony and the blood of the lamb. So that's not physical weapons at all, right? The word of testimony, that's teachings. The blood of the lamb is the very word of Jesus. Mm. So these wars now... Can God use them? I believe, this is my own personal opinion, okay? I'm not saying this is Shinchenji official teaching at all. Right now, one of the things that we are working so much on is peace. We have this huge, you know, peace activities that we're doing all over the world. As a matter of fact, in Mindanao, you can look it up, HWPL working in Mindanao and how they got the two religious leaders, the Catholic leader and the, the Islamic leader together to sign a peace treaty. I believe it was in 2014, January 24th, I think. You can look that Were up. Were you not there to cover this, Maurice? Just no, I wasn't there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but you can look that up. HWPL, it's the work of peace. Now, for the last few years, because the pandemic, not many people have been interested. We've got a lot of, a lot of leaders, like religious leaders, but political leaders all over the world that are a part of this. But right now, it is huge because of what's happening. So it's helping with the activities of working for peace, because that's also what God wants to do upon this earth, right? Jesus was the Prince of Peace. That's what he wanted to bring. And of course, in the time of Revelation, ultimately what God wants to bring is, you know, peace on this earth. And that's only possible if God can do it. The pandemic, that is a part of, you know, somewhat of the fulfillment. Reason being, inside of Revelation chapter 7, there is something that's referred to as the Great Tribulation that comes upon the whole world. Now, this is both a physical and spiritual thing that happens. This right now, the pandemic has shut down all of the world, not only just the, the secular world, but also the religious world as well, right? All the churches were, were closed for a period of time. It's through this that thousands upon thousands and thousands of people are coming out to this truth. Through this tribulation, through all these, these destruction that's happening on many churches, Almost every other church in the world has decreased in uh, in its attendance, attendance and yeah, occupation. I mean, um, uh, attend yeah, just attendance. I guess would be the right word. You know, the um, memberships and all that as well. Right, almost every church in the world, and yet Shinchenji has actually continued to grow exponentially. And so people have been asking the pastor, like the the chairman, how is that possible? How is it that you guys have grown when every other church is decreasing? 
And I mean, his only answer, he's like, there's no secret. It's God is with us. That's pretty much it. That's what he says. But, you know, so the answer, I guess, a little yes and no. I mean, the events of the world, they definitely can, you know, God can use them. But specifically the war itself or, you know, the Antichrist or things like that. The Antichrist itself, there's there's more than one Antichrist that actually shows up. If you go to First uh, John chapter 2, it says that many Antichrists have come into the world. Now, there is a particular you know, uh, evil person in second Thessalonians chapter two, that is the man of lawlessness sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. That's something that happens in revelation chapter 13. That's actually something that has already taken place. It's already taken place. There was this group of people that came in and destroyed this tabernacle, but that would be going into like physical fulfillment, which more than happy to do in the future. You know, Mm -hmm. anyone can, we can get into that in the future, but I know we're you know, we're getting pretty long and, and everything tonight. <laughs> that so. means, Maurice, you're just going to have to come back here again when you're free. Anytime. I'd love, yeah. love to have you back again. I'm asking questions. <laughs> no, and it's great. I love it. So let's really wrap this just by, we used to do something called takeaway time on the show where we would hear a parable. And then at the end of it, like we would just share what our takeaway is for what we heard that day. So do you guys want to do that? <laughs> Because we heard a lot. I'd love to hear Maurice's takeaway. Yeah, me too. That's why I'm asking. Well, it still is scary for me. But uh, I've, of course, learned a lot from Instructor Ariel and from from both of you too. Um, I think uh, it's just that we really have to uh, discern everything that is happening to us right now and to uh, make sure that we get the right teachings, not the false ones. Yeah. And uh, also along the way, we, in everything that we do, we just have to really be responsible for our souls and to a lot, a lot of the things that uh, um, instructor Aaron to- told us uh, gives us the importance of readiness of watchful, uh, not to be complacent, uh, because a lot of us are, are I think, lax. Uh, even with all these things happening around us, we think there's still so much time. Yes. But I think uh, we really have to um, make sure that we, <laughs> again, be more watchful of the things that we do and to make sure that the things that we believe in are the right ones. Yeah. So yeah. we are led to the right path yeah. and we will all be saved. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> yes. You are the father. There, there, there. <laughs> Tina. Yeah. I don't have a takeaway. I have a lot of homework. In fact, my bookmark is on Hosea already because I've never read anything from it. So... Okay. Um, but no, I mean, like, um, it still blows my mind how um, uh, the, the little I know of the Bible is, but it seems to me that <laughs> it is not the right one. <laughs> the, the, the teachings that I'm kind of like getting from, from you, Instructor Aaron, it's like, Revelation, it sounds so scary. It's actually beautiful because who doesn't want God coming down? because that's the ultimate goal to live with him it's true true 
And it, it can be both. I mean, the Bible, it's not, it's not a bad thing to have some fear. I mean, you know, you Proverbs nine, you know, like the, the fear of God is the beginning of, you know, wisdom, right? I mean, so we should ha still have that fear in our hearts of our creator, he, just like children have fear of their parents, you know, if their oh, parents yeah. get, you know, are scolding them, they're going to have that little bit of fear inside because that, that teaches us respect for God. It teaches us obedience, right? What's called um, uh, filial piety, which is like our duty as a child to our parent. You know, we, we should feel that. So there should always be that little bit of fear because even Paul says we should be working out our salvation with fear and trembling. You know, he himself was afraid that he wasn't going to be able to finish the race, right? He helped enough people, but I hope that I myself will be able to finish, you know, the race. So having that little bit of fear, it's like when you are, you know, if you understand that cars are dangerous, you're, you're going to pay attention a little bit when you're walking in a busy street. You know what I mean? Like it's that same kind of concept. If we have that little bit of fear, then maybe we'll, we'll stay in line a little bit more with God mm -hmm. instead of just being, like you said, you know, Maurice, like being complacent and not caring, you know what I mean? That would be the opposite of like no fear, but not living our life in fear. Mm -hmm. And then the more knowledge you have about revelation, the less like scared you are of it. You're still got the fear, of course, of, you know, of God, but you're less scared you are of revelation because you're, you're able to understand what's happening. So it's not the, it's the unknown that we're normally scared of. Like when you're swimming out in the ocean, you can't see below your feet. You know, I hate that feeling. I, really? I don't like that. You know, but <laughs> you know, it's like, because you don't know what's down there, you know, yeah. but if you could see the bottom, then you're like, oh, okay. It's not that big a deal. Right. Mm -hmm. It's that same thing. When you really understand what's happening in revelation, you just don't have that same, that same fear. I'll put it that way. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I think for me, when I was listening to particularly like the parables for today, which are bridegroom, bride, widow, and orphan, I was reminded of how in, I think this is in Mark chapter four, instructor Aaron. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't know the whole Bible yet, but I'm Wait, I'm <laughs> no, but I'm sure you know what right. I, when I tell you what I'm talking about. It's like where Jesus oh. is talking to the disciples and he rebukes them for not understanding the parable of the seed. And he's oh, yeah. like, this is the most basic one, guys. If you don't get this one, you're not going to get any of the, the parables, right? <laughs> and I was reminded of this because the whole bridegroom, bride, widow, orphan has to do with the seed. Like, where is the seed coming from? This is the first of the parables. And so it took me back to that a lot. And it kind of reminded me like, ah, okay, this is why Jesus said that. Because you're mm. right. If you don't have that strong foundation of that parable understanding, then the rest are going to be a little hard to grasp like this one. True, true. Yeah. Right. And I actually, I really very strongly felt this. I think it was in the last episode where we talked about death and resurrection. I think the figurative language of death and resurrection. Mm. And I was just blown away inside because I find this parable language so beautiful. It's really poetic, you know, and it, it it's because as you say, often, in these conversations, God uses these physical things that we see in the world. And I think we take them for granted because we're born into this world. They're already existing. We grow up looking at them day in and day out. But then when you hear these figurative ways that God uses them in the Bible, wow, they just bring a whole new layer of just beauty and appreciation mm -hmm. and how oh my gosh, that's right. That is how it works in the physical world. And there's a spiritual meaning in that as well. And of course, why wouldn't God do that? He made that. 
So he uses that to teach us. And I just think it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I mean, even this, even this thing today, bridegroom, bride, widow, orphan. I mean, I've never heard this understanding before. Me too. <laughs> right? Right? So, yeah. yeah. So when my brain cells make their way back, <laughs> I will process this. This actually happens to me, Maurice. Like we'll have the conversation. And then after we're done recording, I will have to listen back to it again. And I'm just like, oh, like that's when I actually understand. So, you know, like don't even feel bad about being overwhelmed right now because it happens to me yeah. all the time. But I want to thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We're so thrilled. We're so thrilled that you're here. Everybody, please join Maurice every morning at 5.30 in the morning. Every morning at 5.30 in the morning. See, no brazos. <laughs> on GMA, seven, unang hirit, right? And just watch out for her all throughout the day for her news updates. And then follow her. 24 horas, there you go. Uh, I also do some documentaries for Brigada. Uh-huh. Wow, you're not you're not too busy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for eyewitness as well, okay. but eyewitness oh. airs on GMA. Yeah, <laughs> just just watch GMA twenty four seven. Okay, there you go, Thank and you so follow much. her on Instagram at Marie's Umali. Thank you so yeah. much again, Marie's. And thank you. Yeah. Sam. Thank you. Pizza Thank you. Nice Mary. to meet you, Marie. Yeah. And thank you for joining us today, guys. We have new episodes every Monday and Thursday at 9 a.m. We're on YouTube and Spotify. We have an email address, the podcast at gmail.com. Please check out Instructor Aaron on Healing Leaves. It's on YouTube. Also, Tina Ryan does the podcast, The Dog Behind the Human with Dog Coach Francis. So check all that out. We got the links in the show description. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>